the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. This is hour two of our program. We're on every single day from 3 to 5, every single weekday, 3 to 5, right here on this station. It's great to be with you. We also have a podcast. If you ever miss an hour of our show, just go to our station website. You can subscribe to the podcast and download that the number is 888-528-2557, and we'll take your call if you want to join the conversation. And uh, you know what? I like to consider myself somebody who can take you know things going on and predict what's going to happen, not in a spiritual sort of way, meaning I'm not saying I'm a prophet or anything like that, but you know, I'll take some time to, to predict who might win the election coming up or predict you know, different things. About a year ago, I predicted that gas prices in California will go up to eight or nine dollars a gallon. And I got to say that I um, was kind of, you know, just personally, like when they got up to about seven and then they went down, I thought, I guess I got that wrong, you know, but and I gave up on it. But uh, thanks to uh, OPEC and refineries and the governor and whoever else you want to blame, I guess um, they're going up. I don't know if the governor has anything to do with it, but uh, I don't know that that any of the politicians really are controlling this one way or the other. You know, maybe, a, you know, certainly with the taxation and other things they are. But, man, it could go up eight or nine bucks. I, uh, in fact, uh, I wanted to mention I got to meet a lot of you at uh, the KKLA event in Los Angeles, the uh, uh, money management seminar. Thank you for coming. We had 350 or so come to that on Sunday. So I encourage you to go to that or Saturday, sorry, Saturday morning. And it was great to meet a lot of you there. If you noticed right next to, it was that core church in Los Angeles. There was a gas station right next to the church. In fact, it was conveniently connected to the parking lot of uh, that church. And I was out of gas. So I went in there to get gas afterward. And I didn't even pay attention to what it cost. I just wanted to get back on the road. And I paid $6.79 a gallon for regular unleaded. That's the second time I ended up paying that amount because I did that a few months ago and it got really high. Uh, but I should have known better the time before, even this time, six seventy nine, and I guess it might be on its way up. Anyway, uh, I know that's hurting uh, a lot of you, and um, I hope that you are uh, dealing with that uh, okay. We'll talk about that more another time. But, you know, with all the politics and things going on in the world, there's a, there's a good example. I don't want this to be missed because it's a good example of rivals who are who set aside their, their rivalries, at least for a moment, to do what needs to be done. What's happening in Florida is it's hugely significant. This hurricane was terrible. The governor DeSantis last week called it a once in 500 year storm. 
And there was a lot of attention today with President Biden coming down and being with the governor and being there to walk around and uh, the most damaged areas. And is there going to be tension between those two men who could end up being uh, political opponents in the next presidential election? I think that's possible. I'm not I'm not convinced at all that President Biden's going to run. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty convinced he's not, but he says he's going to run, apparently. So we'll see. But uh, that is certainly is possible. And they have traded barbs back and forth, as politicians do. And so lots of people were wondering, how is this going to look today when they are together? Are they going to be able to get along? And it matters because they need to get along right now. They have a job to do. There's always politics and there's always, you know, my opponent thinks this and that and here's why they're wrong and we should be doing that's uh, that's not even an unhealthy part of politics. We should be able to debate. But, you know, as we have become a nation that is so divided on so many different things and just kind of nasty and there's been there's been some nastiness, you know, with people who are are current people wondered what what is going to happen here. And I was pleased, at least from everything I saw today, that they they handled this very well. The governor welcomed the president, President Biden, and Governor DeSantis welcomed him and his wife, and uh, they had a joint press conference together. And uh, this is how Governor DeSantis opened up his remarks. Well, good afternoon, and I want to thank uh, President Biden and Jill Biden, as well as Administrator Deanne Criswell, for, for coming down here looking at uh, really, really significant damage uh, here in in Lee County. And and there's other places where you have uh, really significant damage as well outside of this general area. We were very fortunate to have good coordination uh, with the White House and with FEMA from the very beginning of this. We declared a state of emergency last Friday, September 23rd. This wasn't even, this was a disturbance uh, out there by Columbia. And then the next day, we got a major disaster declaration approved by the president. uh, And we really appreciated that. And that basically set off the massive mobilization that we had ready to be able to respond to this storm. Both President Biden and Governor DeSantis have been given questions by reporters that really are meant to stir up more division, that are really meant to say, you know, do you have the way they're sort of phrased? It's you know, do you have any criticisms for uh, President Biden, or do you have any criticisms for Governor DeSantis? And today, I was pleased that uh, both men uh, handled this pretty well. And I think we should, I think we should acknowledge that, and this we should expect this out of our our leaders, especially when there's a time of disaster. Governor DeSantis went on to say this, and and I think we've worked as well across state local and federal of any disaster that I've seen. You know, there's got to be politicians on DeSantis side saying you need to say that Biden is slow, that they're not responding well. But if that's not true, then don't say it. You know, and I think ever since Katrina, there is this every time there's a hurricane and you wouldn't know it from listening, but we have these every so often. You every time there's a hurricane, you wouldn't know it from listening to, you know, the media is acting like there's this is all new. there's all this pressure to see if you can make some kind of political damage to one side or the other because of the political damage that particularly President George W. Bush faced after Katrina. And President Biden uh, was thrown one of those questions by the reporters after his remarks, and uh, he he kind of walked away from the microphone, so this might be a little bit hard to hear, but here's what he said. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. 
See, I think if you didn't hear that that question, this is the type of question that is a setup, really, to create some kind of negative uh, response, right? And and it can be used in that way. It, you know, politicians sometimes those are organized. If the reporter is kind of on your side with things, most of the time you don't have to say it. You just, as the reporter, you know how to phrase the question in a way that tees it up for that politician or whomever you're supporting to just knock it out of the park with some negative comment. And so the question was, Mr. President, what do you, what do state and local and federal officials need to do differently to prevent future loss of life? Now think about that question. Uh, they're there to talk about what's being done to help people, to rescue people if they still need rescue and to recover people who unfortunately lost their lives, to clean up, to move forward. And there's this question there, Mr. President, what do state and local and federal officials need to do differently? Imagine if he would have uh, addressed that and, well, here's what Governor DeSantis should have done next Y and Z. And he could have done that. You know, it's less likely with the governor standing back there, um, but he didn't. What he actually said was, what the governor has done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what he's done. And he went on to share some things that he thinks that, uh, in fact, in preparation for the hurricane, he praised him for building, um, you know, a better infrastructure that would less likely be able to fall. Telephone poles moving from wood to steel and different things like that. Anyway, I wanted to point that out because I think it's important that we just acknowledge it when our leaders don't tear each other up. And especially when we are talking about this great need that we have to really help people and people are in terrible shape. Have you ever been in a a situation where a hurricane has happened in your life? Maybe it's not a literal hurricane, but maybe you went through a, a physical disaster, a car wreck, or maybe it was just something that you went through in your life that was super difficult. You might call it an emotional hurricane or a spiritual hurricane and you got through it. Was there a period of time when you felt like, uh, gosh, my life is is crazy right now, or something happened that you just didn't expect, and it changed the direction of your life, and uh, you made it through? I'll bet that some part of your story, if you want to share that story, you can call or otherwise join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and um, you can call 888-528-2557. Was there a time in your life where there's something that went on that you felt like was a hurricane and then you recovered? I'll bet if you did. I'll bet that there was some kind of encouragement. And sometimes you get encouragement or you get something nice from somebody who is an adversary or somebody, maybe even an enemy, or maybe it's somebody who uh, is your your rival. Uh, have you had that experience? You know, one of the things about having a rival, you're going to have rivals. You're going to have rivals in your business. You're going to have, you know, rivals that are sort of, you know, if it's business or, you know, if you're in politics or maybe you are in business and you have competitors, you're going to have rivals and it's normal. You can't, you know, you shouldn't be wishing that you, I mean, maybe you wish you didn't have them, but you know, what I find is that rivals make you better. They make you a, a much better person. And when your rival actually acknowledges when you do well, or when you take the time to acknowledge that your rival did well, it is such a powerful thing. That kind of encouragement is something that uh, we all need at different times. We need encouragement. It means, you know, have you had encouragement that really meant something to you, especially coming from a person that you didn't expect it to come from? 
you know, it's, it's something that I hope that you get from your friends. I hope that you get encouragement in your life when things are difficult. I hope that you get encouragement from the people who are closest to you, like your family and, you know, people like that. But have you ever had encouragement from a rival? Encouragement from somebody who you would not expect to give you that encouragement. If you want to share that, you can call me at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also email to SoCalLive at kkla.com. There are different words for encouragement in, in the Bible. And, you know, we're told repeatedly throughout the Scripture to encourage each other. And that is a practice that we need to do in such a negative time. It's a, even when we have different views on what needs to happen, clearly uh, Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis are probably not secret friends, right? I mean, (laughs) they probably didn't go out and have a beer or something after their press conference today together or just hang out and watch a football game or a baseball game or something. Uh, they're they're going to have a fierce debate soon if they are indeed the presidential candidates. Uh, even before that, it's, we're we're already talking about 2024, and it's even 2022. Uh, it's a long time. They're going to say a lot of terrible things, probably, and and maybe they shouldn't say it. And and there'll be other judgments we can have about that. But I thought, you know, to come together and have that kind of unity because they actually have a job today. It's worth pointing out. Part of encouragement is pointing out. When somebody does something really well, especially when they had the opportunity to not do well or the opportunity to knock their opponent, the opportunity to take political advantage, and then they don't. There are times when you probably should, I would say, if you're in that political world. But over the backs of people suffering, over the people who have lost their lives and all of the destruction, that's not the time. Uh, It just gets unbelievably ugly. And then what happens is, you know, one way or the other, services are being denied one group of people or another. That the the fighting going on between, say, Washington and whatever state something is going on, and if the governors and the president don't get along, if the federal and state agencies can't work together, if there's too much bureaucracy, um, then people are hurt, ultimately. And so I was pleased, just as a citizen who really isn't affected, you know, personally, by all of this to see that happen. And I just wanted, I think we should point that out. Um, encouragement, it means to exhort or beseech, and it can mean a whole lot more. Uh, maybe you've, there's a part of the word is uh, about calling uh, to direct people toward a goal or truth. Uh, it can mean to call people out, you know, and sometimes you, you do that. You ever call somebody out in a, uh, encouraging way, you can do that. If you're a coach, if you're somebody who's a leader, if you're a manager of people, there's a way to approach your employees or your the people who are on your team in a positive way by calling them out. And there's a way to just be kind of mean. The positive way is encouragement. It doesn't feel good necessarily to get coached on something that where you made a mistake. That doesn't always feel good. And you hate doing that. And maybe, you know, for me, when that happens, I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I did that and everything. But I found that when I have leaders around me or when I've been the leader and I can do it in a positive way, it actually can be very encouraging. Um, It is the idea of coming up alongside somebody. We need to do this for each other, to be sympathetic, even to somebody who might be a rival to get past some of the tensions that might be there, to really see the big idea of what's going on. And I'll tell you what, in the divisions that we have in our country, we really need to be seeing the big idea of what's going on, or divisions that we even have 
between Christians, however that is laid out, we need to get past, you know, we have a big idea. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples. We have a big idea where, you know, competitions, say, between uh, churches, we don't want to say that happens, but, uh, you know, do you want the people who are newer in your neighborhood to go to your church or the church down the street? We used to do a a lunch for new people at our church, and we would have all the staff come up, and the children's director would come up, and she would give all of her stuff, and this is what we do for kids, and the youth guy would come out and say, this is what we do for youth. And then we would talk about prayer, and we'd talk about uh, the vision of the church and how we make disciples. And it was a it was a pretty good meeting. Last about an hour, we got the rhythm of it. It was pretty good. But we'd always end with this. We would end with now. We would love to have you come to our church, but if you think we're ridiculous or you just didn't connect today or you're never coming back, but you're only here because we promised you a free lunch, how can we help you get involved in another church if we're not the right church for you? And you know, on the one side, that was something beneficial to us. People said, oh, that's really great. Now I kind of want to go to your church. That was that was the comment we got most of all. Like the whole meeting was almost not as important as that last statement. But then some people would say, you know what? Uh, this is not the church for me. Are you serious about helping me find a church? And the answer is yes. And we would. I had somebody, I'm not even kidding. She came to our church for several weeks. And she would kind of sit towards the front and uh, she would always be just kind of nice, but not real talkative. She finally came to the new person's lunch and uh, she was there for a while. And one day she stopped coming and I reached out to her and she said, she's going to another church that was down the street. Okay, fine. I'm glad you, you went over there. And we didn't really have a long conversation, but then we had an event that involved her and this other church and some other people from other churches. who we were all kind of together And she came up to me and she said, you know, Scott, uh, this is what she said. (laughs) This is what came out of her mouth. She said, you know, I can't stand your preaching. (laughs) She goes, I don't like it at all. I don't get your jokes. I don't even know where you're coming from. (laughs) She says this to me. And uh, she goes, but I always appreciated it that you were not offended when I went somewhere else. And I was I was not offended at the moment. I was cracking up that she would actually say that. Because the truth is, is that's how we feel sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes we're like, I don't really like this person over here. This doesn't float my boat. You know, this isn't my cup of tea, whatever it is that you say. And, you know, I just, I'll never forget that, you know. And by this time, you know, I, I've been around in ministry long enough where that kind of stuff doesn't really sting. I think when I was new in ministry, it would have. Like when I was new in ministry, it's like, what do you mean you don't like my sermons? You know, you know, how do you like that guy's sermons? That guy's an idiot down there. You know, we don't say that, but but you'd think that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, that is the funny part was, is that we're part of the same team. Her coming to our church, her coming to to her liking the pastor or liking the music or liking our vision or liking how we do it is so much not the the point. The point is, where are you better suited to make disciples and grow in your faith? Where is it that you are actually going to be growing, genuinely growing your faith, not just made to feel good or enjoy the show on Sundays? See, that is our thing. And when we have competition, when we have, um, you know, whatever kinds of, you know, wherever we're at, um, we need to be encouraging of one another. If you're in business, you know, it's an interesting thing. In business, you want people's money, right? The purpose you're, the purpose of your business, or even if you're in a nonprofit and you're raising money for, you know, liver disease or something, 
Um, there might be competitive liver disease nonprofits. Well, you want to have the better sales pitch, and you want people to donate to your ministry or your company. You have competitors. You know, if you're McDonald's, you don't want them going to Burger King. You want them coming to McDonald's, right? Do you have the ability to say, hey, I'm glad that you like the Whopper better than the Big Mac? Is there something bigger than just that profit, something bigger than the enjoyment? You know, it's hard to think of it maybe that way when you're thinking about customers, you're thinking about donors, but it doesn't work as well. This analogy doesn't work as well as in business as it would nonprofit or church. But if you're a nonprofit and somebody goes to another nonprofit that's really doing the same thing as you, but they feel like they're better used over there, you should celebrate that person. Encourage them. Encourage that other nonprofit. Look at the great work they're doing over there. Now, you might think your work is better. You might even be right. But encouragement is always better. It's sympathetic. It's loving. It insists on truth, ultimately. If you're you're really encouraged, right, it has something to do with truth. If you're really encouraged, even if you are encouraged to do better, you're encouraged to, to change your plan. If it's rooted in truth, it's such a good thing even if temporarily it stings, it's a really, really good thing. Can I encourage you to encourage somebody today? Find somebody to encourage. A neighbor, hey, I like the way you're doing your lawn. You know, don't lie to them. It's got to be true. If you don't like how they're doing lawn, figure out what they are doing well and say that. You know, your coworker, hey, you did a great job on this project. Um, Don't use the word but after that. You did a great job on this project, but you really messed up the entire company with this other project. Don't say that. Just be encouraging. It will, in, it will improve your relational world. It will improve your workplace. It will improve your church. It will improve your family when we are encouraging in this way because there's something much bigger. And, you know, that bigger thing for us is the gospel of Jesus. That bigger thing is making disciples. That bigger thing, if you're thinking about politics in our country, is the success of our country, of the values that we have. We have a scary world right now. We're talking about nuclear war and gas prices and recession and all of this. We need our leaders to do well, encourage them when they do well. I got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. You can call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and I'm pleased to report that the Dodgers won their game this afternoon, their final game of the season. If you are a baseball fan, we have a lot of baseball in Southern California coming up. Dodgers, Padres made the playoffs. Dodgers won their 111th game. Uh, that is pretty amazing. Yes, they are. That's the, I think it's the fourth, fourth best season ever. And it is the best season in the National League for, since 1906 or something like that. 111 games they won. If you win 111 games, if you have a record-setting number of games, do you, you really have to win the World Series, right? I mean, that has to be the, obviously that's the goal, but that's the goal of every team in there. Anything can happen in the playoffs, but if you win that many games, it's pretty sad if you don't win the big one, but you don't always. A lot of those teams, the record is the Mariners. I think 2001 or two, they won 116 games and then uh, they didn't make it, didn't make it to the World Series. 
Uh, Mariners played it again. If you're a baseball fan, lots of baseball coming up, so lots of baseball in Southern California. Congratulations to the the Padres. I've explained before how one can be a Dodger fan and a Padres fan at the same time. Much harder to be a Padres fan first and a Dodger fan. I understand that, being that I have been in L.A. and San Diego. Uh, but let us encourage each other, as I have been saying, to do well, to encourage our, our rivals. Harder for me to encourage uh, the Giants. I'm very encouraged that the Giants are not part of the uh, playoff picture. I've told people, you know, people say, well, what's your, what's your second favorite team? My second favorite team is any team playing the Giants. That is my second favorite baseball team. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, I want to encourage you to encourage people. We were talking about that before the break. And you know what's interesting is that we have so much in the Scripture about encouraging each other. And, you know, churches, you know, Hebrews 3, verse 13, but encourage each other daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, that's another reason for encouraging each other, right, is that the sin that creeps up and destroys our life, you know, something about sin is anything that sin touches dies. You have to know if you've got sin going on in your life and you're embracing it and you're moving forward with it, it's going to cause harm. That's what it does. It's a a Hebrew word that is an archery term that means miss the mark that you didn't quite hit the target. Now, you might have missed, you know, some of us in our sins, we miss the target altogether. You ever go shoot, you know, archery, bows and arrows at some camp somewhere, and <laughs> you shoot it off into the trees, and it's just long gone. I've done that a couple of times. Um, all of it is, you know, if you don't hit that bullseye, that's the the idea. The bullseye is what would be ultimately perfectly true, and it's hard to do that consistently. As you grow in your faith, you do that more often, and you get better at walking in your faith, but you need encouragement. You need encouragement for other believers, and I would encourage you to to do that. Um, it is, it's something that we need to make intentional. We don't really get a encouragement department. Is there the encouragement pastor at your church? Is there like a, you've got the children's department, and you've got the uh, the youth department, and then you have the encouragement department? Um, we don't usually have that, but really the encouragement department is all of us. The encouragement department is each one of us. Go to church on Sunday. You should be going to church on Sunday. Encourage somebody. Find somebody just to encourage. Hey, you look nice today. Hey, good to see you. Make that effort. I promise you it it makes a, a big difference. Have you ever been encouraged by somebody and it just made a big difference in your life? 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. In uh, the last hour, we were talking about uh, Bibles and your, your favorite you know Bible. Somebody wrote uh, on the website address, and uh, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And uh, Stephanie writes, uh, one of my Bibles is very small. I use it every morning for devotional. It's very ragged and torn apart. Does anyone know if there is a safe and secure Bible restoration business that I can send my Bible off to? I don't know that there's a specific one, but there are, you know, go to your, you know, go online and look. There are people who will actually put a new binding on your Bible. It's, uh, there are people now who even as a hobby are, book binding. They're taking old books and restoring them. And I think you'll be able to find uh, somebody who can help you with that. I feel like I had an old Bible that once my dad sent somewhere, actually, and they put like a new 
sheepskin, uh, you know, cover on it or something. But um, there is some there is some help out there. 888-528-2557. Be encouraging to one another. Today is also uh, Yom Kippur. If you are a Jewish person practicing, you you probably are celebrating that today. I had a friend who I asked yesterday. I said, uh, how you doing? And he, well, and the funny thing he said was, he looked at me and he said, well, I'm about to go on a fast for 24 hours, so we'll see how I do. And uh, then he turned around and he left, and I thought, well, what does that mean? Like, oh, yeah, he's Jewish, and it's Yom Kippur, uh, Day of Atonement. And so if you are... Uh, practicing this, it comes out of the book of Leviticus, and uh, there's a there's a whole lot of different services that you you would go to. Leviticus uh, chapter twenty three verse twenty six says, "The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement." So we had the Jewish New Year a few days ago. Maybe you you paid attention to that. There was something that President Biden got criticized for, like harshly, but actually they took it out of context. He he wished people uh, a happy New Year. People said, well, he's lost his mind. It's uh, it's September. And uh, in this case, he he was right on because he was speaking to an audience who would have understood that he meant the Jewish New Year. Um, You see, always got to take those things in context. You know, there's plenty of reason to, you know, if you're going to be critical, you can find reasons to do that. Um, But today is about encouragement and truth. And uh, he did not get that wrong. Leviticus continues here. Do not... Uh, do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from the people. This is Old Testament, okay? Serious business. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall not do work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It is a day of Sabbath rest for you. You must deny yourselves from the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening you are to observe your Sabbath. And so many people are are doing that today. I think it is, you know, when you are looking for some evidence that Christianity is true, part of it is the fact that there is still observance even by Jewish people of this. Now, if a Jewish person is not going to agree with me, my friend would not agree with me. He would say we're doing this because... Uh, the Messiah has not yet come. Um, I would say, no, he has come, and his name is Jesus. And, uh, you know, we would have a conversation about that. First John four ten. in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So with Christians in the New Testament, we have the day of atonement ultimately is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ where he atoned for our sins. Um, but we can still learn a lot from these ceremonies. And I would encourage you to actually read up on these ceremonies. Uh, I'm not an expert on a lot of them. I've, I've gone to many things and I've read some things. Um, and I've always thought, you know, I should know this better. Because it really helps explain the Bible to you. It helps explain who Jesus is. You know, if you have a Jewish friend or you're listening, maybe you're Jewish and you want to call and add to our conversation, we'd love to have you. 888-528-2557. Are you going to services today? You know, what does it mean for you? You know, what are you, you're going to, uh, if you go to all the services, there'll be some in this, this afternoon and they will end with the blowing of the shofar, ram's horn. And it's a very meaningful thing as, as a Protestant believer, as a Christian, Catholic would believe this too, Jesus is uh, the Savior. And 
we we have the the ultimate day of atonement has been done. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Joe in Huntington Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. So Scott, you talk about uh, encouragement, and Joseph is my name. And then you know, diving deeper into that, I find out that uh, Barnabas walked alongside with Paul and others and, um, you know, kind of dissecting his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph means the encourager. And so kind of very, I go back to the scripture. Um, you know, sometimes our names have relation. I, I truly believe that. But um, Barnabas, of course, uh, everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. They need the yes. encourager. They need someone to walk along with them. So just want to bring that to light, my friend. Thank you for doing that, Joe. I appreciate that, and uh, I'm glad you know that about your name, that it is uh, an encouragement. You know, Barnabas is uh, a name where uh, it is associated and means this encouragement. In the book of Acts, I'm looking it up here, Acts, 20, Acts 11, 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. His name means uh, son of consolation, son of comfort, a different kind of way of saying encouragement is what he is. So you often hear, as Joe just mentioned, you need a Barnabas in your life, somebody who is an encourager. Uh, Do you have that person? You know, if you don't, start being that person. You can be that person. But I hope that you've got that person in your life, as as he says, as uh, Joe said. A good man, somebody full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And the reason it's so important is a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You don't see people brought to the Lord because of discouragement, people who are being discouraging. You know, when you at your church, you probably have never gone to church and said to uh, somebody who's at the booth or an usher or somebody, you probably didn't lean over and go, hey, who are all the discouraging people? I would like to sit with them. Who are the people who uh, who are the people who complain all the time, who mutter under their breath? I want to go sit with them. You don't nobody says that. Right. And uh, nobody is nobody. We say we don't want that relationship. But that's why those things are, are sin. That's why those things need to be. We need to help those people. We need to encourage those people. If you're if you know who the complainer is, if I just said that and somebody's face just popped up in your brain because you know who they are, maybe you should sit with them on Sunday on purpose and encourage them. And be a positive person, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And encourage them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts like Barnabas does. I promise you it will it will affect that person in a great way and may even affect your whole church, your whole community, wherever you decide to do that. This is Southern California Live. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll make another point about Yom Kippur when we come back, and we'll also take your calls about that or about encouragement, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213 213- Five three seven thirty eight twelve. That's two one three five three seven thirty eight twelve. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today, as we are each and every day from three to five. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 LA Talks. If you want to join our conversation, 
Today is Yom Kippur. Maybe you have a, maybe you or maybe a friend is, if they are an observant Jew, are are participating in some services today, fasting and uh, doing this. I was saying before the break that when I think one of the evidences for our faith is that over the centuries, millennia, this has been observed just like the Bible says that would happen forever. And as Christians, we would uh, have a different view of it. The, the view we would have is that the Savior has come, that the Day of Atonement permanently has come from Jesus Christ. Or some might say that ultimately it's at the time of your judgment, but your judgment has been sealed in Christ um, because you have faith in him and you've been saved. And there's a lot of great scripture about redemption that is read if you go and look through what is done at this service. And this afternoon, if you're going, you'll end the service with Micah chapter 7, verse 18 through 20. Ever read the book of Micah? Uh, I'm actually in a, our small group is going through the book of Micah, and uh, it's hard because there's so much judgment in that book, although there are great things that uh, we've ended up with great discussion. The Bible, by the way, is really meant to be discussed in a group, and it's important to read it on your own. It's important to have, you know, your daily Bible study to know what it says, but really it's meant to be to be done in a group. It's meant to be done with somebody who is a teacher, who has studied you know, so you're not just guessing at what things mean. You ever go to a Bible, I've been in Bible study or Sunday school where like everybody reads a passage and they go around the room deciding what they think it means and everybody is 100% wrong. Uh, that's bad. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be study. Uh, what does it actually mean? It ends with Micah chapter 7, verse 18 through 20. And Micah is just a fascinating book when you put it in the context of, of history and the Syrian empire and uh, the different things that were going on then. But here's how Micah ends. There's so much judgment, judgment against Israel, judgment against Jerusalem, judgment against the priests, judgment against those who, uh, you know, would do evil in the sight of the Lord, judgment against those who, um, you know, there's stuff in in Micah about making stuff up about your faith, right? That the judgment for those who just say what needs to be, what they feel like needs to be heard. So the prophets are not prophets at all, except for Micah. And Micah is saying that judgment is coming. All of the other prophets are saying, hey, if you do these things, then things are good. God's not really upset with you. God is it's not a God of judgment, blah, 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 which goes over a lot better. You know, maybe you get a better offering or better attendance at your service, but it's not true. And if God is real, which I believe, and obviously, hopefully most of you believe, then then what is happening is true. Then God's promises are actually going to be kept. And the end of the book of Micah, it's a reminder of the promise, the promise given to Israel, the promise given that there would be a Messiah, that there would be someone who would ultimately, uh, that the Lord would ultimately atone. And it ends this way. This is how the day would end. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. For Christians or Messianic Jews, you believe that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's a big day of the day of atonement. The reason that you have salvation is not because you earned it or because you were able to do enough good things. Uh, the reason that you have it is because God had mercy on you, because God, by grace, gave you a Savior, that he showed us this mercy, that he had compassion on us, 
and he tread our sins underfoot and hurled all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And this happens for you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. This is a pledge from the Lord that when you read your Bible, Genesis 3, right after the fall, all the way to the end, that's the story. That's the history of it. Can you encourage each other with that? That's, I mean, that's something else to encourage people with. It's a great, great book here, Micah chapter 7. You know, it's a hard book to study because there's a lot of judgment. It makes a lot more sense when you bring in a lot of history. This, this is a book that's harder to understand just by a basic reading, but you can do it. There are plenty of great tools out there to help you do that. But by the end of it, you see how God continues to keep his promises. And we can encourage each other with that. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. And you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I got another email. I want to read it to you as we uh, finish up here. This is from Lori. And uh, Lori, thanks for sending this. In the first hour, sometimes, uh, you know, the emails come in a little bit later. And uh, if you're right and I haven't got back to you or I haven't mentioned your email on the air, sometimes we get so many of them or it builds up and we get them over the weekend. I promise you they're all read. Sometimes we just can't get to uh, every single one. Um, But Lori was uh, driving home today and she wrote this story. She said, my grandmother suffered with Alzheimer's for many years. And when it was time... uh, uh, when her when when it was time for her to pass away, her family divided up her belongings and they gathered together. And two of the siblings were recipients of her collection of Bibles, Christian books, and devotionals and other things. Our fourteen month old daughter at the time, fourteen month old daughter, was very ill. The doctors told us to make end of life arrangements. And upon receiving that news, my husband and I were devastated. As I was processing and praying, I decided to go through that random box of books that were given to me, I came across an old gold edge green hardback book in another language. It was God's perfect timing. It wasn't a coincidence. The book didn't end up in a box intended for my brother or sister. Although I couldn't read the print, I could decipher the beginning pages. They were names. 14 children to be exact were handwritten on the front cover. Listed on those pages were the births and deaths of eight of the 14 children from the same family. In the first hour we were talking about family Bibles and how people kept, you know, these dates in there. You know, somebody called and they learned the date that they accepted Jesus because their mom had written it down in the family Bible. You can learn all kinds of things. If you have a family Bible that's been kept, I encourage you to get one if you don't have any and pass it on to your um, children or family. Uh, She continues that it had um, a list of eight to 14 children from the same family. All had passed away before turning five. A four-year-old set of twins had passed away a day apart. I thought to myself, this family member from the 1860s had continued to enter birth dates and death dates. He or she had continued to write in that devotional. And Lori writes, the Lord spoke to my heart, and I was encouraged that if this relative from years past could continue in their walk with the Lord, so could I. See, that's encouragement right there. This is encouragement that goes beyond your years. This is an encouragement that someone in her family had given. She said, our prayer request began to change. Not only did we pray for the Lord to heal, remember her 14-year-old daughter was uh, very ill and the doctors did not expect her to live. Not only did we pray for the Lord to heal her and extend her days, but we also prayed something like this, Jesus, if she won't walk with you, please take her into your presence. An illness is understandable An illness is understandable, as difficult as this is. Only you, Lord Jesus, know if she will follow you in her life. We commit her to you. Amen. 
And in August of 2022, we celebrated her 33rd birthday. Doctors did not know they had limited knowledge, and man didn't know, Lori writes, but our great God had plans for her. He extended her days and years, and for that we continue to be in awe of God's goodness. That devotional spoke volumes through the language barrier. It gave us comfort and hope. That is a great story. Lori, thank you for for writing that. That's what encouragement does. Encouragement lasts. Encouragement is something that when you write it down, you pass it on to your family. I think that's one of the reasons that family Bibles are so meaningful, because it's also passing along the most serious things. The most serious things you have are your relationship with the Lord and then your relationship with your family and your closest of friends and relatives. And what a great thing to be encouraged. A family where, you know, in the 1860s, a lot of kids died. That was kind of the way of it. If you go back and you look at a census report from the 1860s, it asks you how many kids you have living, and it also asks you how many kids have died, because that was pretty common. And so many kids in this family had passed away, and it encouraged someone 160 years later. See, that's the power of encouragement. It's the power of what God does when we, when we commit to, to them. And this is a great prayer, by the way. I think when you pray for people and they pray this way, um, you, you pray for their salvation. You pray according to Jesus' name. You pray uh, in this powerful way. What a great story. Thank you, Lori, for sending that. I'm going to take one more call. We only have a few seconds left. Pastor Harold from Inglewood. Pastor, we've only got a few moments. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. Hey, how how you doing, Pastor? Thank you for for uh, accepting my call. Yeah, real quick, I te- I teach the Jewish side of Christianity, mm. and what I what I've learned over the years, real quick, what I've learned over the years that all the feast days, the seven feast days, have everything to do with Christianity. Yeah. For example, Passover is the day Jesus died on the fourteenth of Nisan. That's the actual day he died on. Yes. Um, Eleventh bread was he was buried on the fifteenth of Nisan. Uh, he rose on the eighteenth, called first fruits. And uh, he started the church begin on Pentecost, and then there's there's three uh, feasts, there's four feasts in the fall and three in spring, and then you have the next feast, Rosh Hashanah, which is the wedding of the Messiah, the wedding of the bride, and then you have uh, uh, Yom Kippur, the, uh, the Day of Atonement. That's when he atones for all of our sins forever, and uh, he gets rid of sin, the scapegoat goes away, and then you have a uh, feast of Tabernacle where he reigns with us for a thousand years. So what what happened was when I was at my friends, I have a lot of messianic. Pastor, I got twenty. I got like ten seconds. Go ahead. Okay, we can continue this call later on. But I have messianic friends, and I'm at their house, and they're celebrating unleavened bread, mm. and they wrap this bread in a white blanket, and 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 who they're wrapping up? They're wrapping up Jesus, and then they tell the kids That's to right. go find it, Apple Coleman, and they're looking for Jesus. Yeah, pa- <laughs> pa- it's awesome, Pastor. I got a hard break. Would you do something? Would you stay on hold? Maybe we can get your number, and when we have these holidays or things come, maybe we can give you a call, and you can uh, help us understand these things better. Thank you so much for calling. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We're on every day from three to five. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you, Pastor Harold, for calling. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.